What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. I appreciate it. First things first, this is where I'm going to do about, mm, I'm going to give myself about five minutes, because I'm feeling talkative, five minutes of self-advertisement. For the weekly listeners, if you're tuning in to hear about this week's guest, West Period, and you don't want to listen to me, a perfect stranger, emphasis on the perfect, talk about himself and his show, then fucking fast forward and be an asshole. But if you want the full experience, you're going you're gonna to listen to everything. All right, guys, go to patreon.com, patreon.com slash kind of neat. And help keep us afloat by pledging per episode. Why do we do it per episode? Because sometimes I'm lazy and I can't do four episodes a month. I just can't. I try. I don't have enough hands. So to save you guys money to not charge by the month where some months you don't get any episodes, I do it by the episode. So that way every time an episode comes out, you just get a dollar taken out of your bank account. People say, hey, Lee – If I sign up, does that mean I'm going to get charged for every episode that's ever aired? No, you are not going to get charged $135. You're only going to get charged for the new episodes after you've signed up. All right. And what benefits do you get? I'm going to be honest. You don't get any fucking benefits other than just being a good human. You know what? Being a good human is like pissing your pants when you're wearing black. It's going to make you warm and no one's going to notice except for you. So... That's the benefit that you get is you get to feel like a good person and no one else is going to know it. But Ben and I appreciate it. We have some new pledges this month. So shout out to uh, Neil Cato. Shout out to Kevin Jesuit. Shout out to Jordan Michelle. I know Jordan Michelle. She is an old school fan as well. Big shout outs to Jordan. Shout out to Josh Cox. Loik QRT. Loik Kurt. I don't know. And Patrick Morris, I appreciate you guys for becoming Patreon pledgers. We're very grateful for it. And that's it. Now, if this is your first episode and you feel like, I don't want to give this guy money every time, that's fine. I understand. I wouldn't want to either. But I'll tell you this. If you've been listening, if this is part of your daily routine, you should do it just to be a nice person. If you don't want to do Patreon because you don't have a regular bank account, which is what some people have been telling me, like, Lee, I don't have a regular bank account. I'm in the black market. Can I give you money with cryptocurrency? I say, look, that's a very hot topic right now and is very obnoxious and you shouldn't talk about it at parties. But if you want to donate some Bitcoin, I'll put my wallet (laughs) i'll put my wallet in the description of the video and you feel free to do that as well because we are out here accepting bitcoin because it's motherfucking 2017 and people are desperate to find a future because this podcast ain't paying attention that's for goddamn sure all right guys that's the end of my pitch thank you so much i'm sounding like i'm in a good mood right now and i probably am in a good mood and you know what I just got back right now from visiting my dad, and that has become, like, I guess sort of my new drug of choice. It is a – I would call it a healthy addiction, but, yeah, I'm finding, like I've spoken about previously, a lot of catharsis in visiting my dad. And and, uh, later on this week, I have, like, a three-day job I'm going to be working, so I had to kind of – bang out a visit in between sets. When I say in between sets, what happened today is, like, uh, 
we recorded this podcast earlier in the day, and then I ended up having to come back at 9 at night because the Santa Ana winds blew in today, and it knocked out the power of the whole block. So the studio lost power for about three hours, and it was right in the middle of the first take that West Period was doing um, of his live performance. So we had to adjourn for the day and come back later when we all had time. So in the middle of all that, I ran to the valley and visited the big homie Barry, and now I'm back. And it's been a long week with him because we had to go to the ER the other day because they just wanted to do some tests and stuff. Like his pulse had been a little slow, et cetera, et cetera. So I spent fucking like seven hours with him in the ER and uh, had to arm wrestle a few people to get him a safe ride back because I guess folks were assuming that I was going to drive him back and like, sorry, but getting a six foot seven, 180 pound man that is no longer responsive to verbal commands and is often aggressive to physical commands is like not going to happen. He's not going to get into a Honda Civic. So thankfully we were able to arrange a safe ride back. And after a few days and some antibiotics, he seems to be back to normal and doing well. And today was really funny. Like if you guys follow me on various Instagram or Twitter or other social medias, you'll see some insight into what I've been going through with it. But one thing that I have noticed about Barry is, is, uh, throughout it all or through it all like as he's losing all of his capacities in literally every sense the thing that has remained most constant is like when he's in a good mood he'll still try to be funny and he'll still laugh at a good like you know dirty joke or like just cuss words or like if i give him the middle finger he laughs at that like he still has a good sense of humor throughout it all and he was always kind of a smart ass in his normal life so I don't know. It's just kind of cool. Little things like that. Pretty interesting. Yeah, other than going to visit my dad all the time, which is like all that I feel like I'm doing lately. I'm also like super domesticated now. As you guys know, my girl and I moved in together and this is our first Christmas together in a shared household. And so over the weekend, we got a Christmas tree and your boy has been just Christmas shopaholic. I got her mad gifts and like they're all wrapped by me. I'm just killing the rap game in a new aspect, you know, in a new sense of the term. And I would have never thought that I would like, I don't know, like for the longest, just avoided anything that I would deem as like boring or basic, quote unquote, or average or whatever. Adult things. I shied away from adult things, adult relationships, adult responsibilities, Kids, all of these things, I shied away from them so long because I was hypnotized by this dream of of being a musician and, you know, leading a cool life. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to, like, go out and fucking drink and do my drugs and <laughs> all the irresponsible fun things. And, man, I'll tell you, I am so fucking over that shit. It is crazy. I don't know what clicked in my head, but, like, I find sitting at home on a Saturday night watching fucking Netflix with my girl to be so much more fun and appealing than anything else that I could possibly be doing right now. And I never would have guessed. And a bunch of my friends are making fun of me because I was like posting, I posted a picture of the Christmas tree on Instagram. And, you know, I had one of my buddies that I used to party with was like, oh, the day intuition became basic. And I was kind of like, man, I feel bad that you're like out at the bars, bro. Like, <laughs> fuck, that shit sucks. I don't know that you hit a certain point in your life and it just seems miserable. But who am I to judge? And if you're still out on that scene, yo, have your fun because I certainly did too. 
But I can tell you that right now I'm feeling very satisfied in my life, which I keep talking about every every podcast, but I don't know what the fuck it is, but I'm feeling like hella good lately. And I talk about it a little bit on this podcast, but I think it's because I've just come to this new place that's sort of uh, a modified version of nihilism, right? Where like not nihilism in a sense where like nothing matters and it doesn't matter, so I'm going to be evil, but like on some nothing matters, so like everything's tight. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm like, oh... No one's going to remember anybody and creating a legacy is no longer important to me and I'm just so satisfied with every little creative output thing because I don't think anything matters and everything's so forgettable and replaceable now that like somehow that is comforting to me. And I know that probably doesn't make sense and that sounds depressing or miserable, but for some reason I find a lot of comfort and satisfaction in the fact that no matter how hard anyone works, we're all going to die with nothing. I don't know what it is about watching my dad die that has made Everything else seems so pointless that it is actually counterintuitively comforting. The fact that he worked hard his whole life and the fact that everyone, you know, they work, everyone works for everything and you waste so much time of your life worried about shit, about your next paycheck or about your credit score or putting away for college or saving for whatever the fuck. And it's like, man, when it all comes down, if you die tomorrow, all that shit that you did was f for not, you know? And so, I don't know, man. Something about that has kind of just given me a new outlook of like, man, do what you can and don't worry about it. Do what you can and feel good about it. Like I said, maybe as negative or as nihilistic or hopeless as that sounds, for some reason, it's like reinvigorated my creative drive and it's re-inspired <laughs> my i don't know like my my level of even keelness is a little higher than it usually is so yeah i'll tell you i would never wish what my dad's going through on my worst enemy but watching him go through it has given me like i said a new little boost a new little like okay yeah it's like giving me a second chance at satisfaction. Like, okay, I, I don't have that much time. No one has that much time. So you better fucking enjoy it while you're here. And trying to fill the void, which I also talk about with Wes in this podcast, the void, which I think I talked about Mike Eagle with. Like, everything that we're all doing, it's all to fill this void within us, this emptiness, this this one human constant of, like, why? Why do I wake up every morning? Why do I do what I do? Like, what is the meaning, you know? What is the meaning of life, the ever-pressing question? That void that you're trying to fill, and whether you fill it with, like, working hard or wanting to be famous or wanting to make stuff or wanting to make money or wanting to drink or do drugs or whatever the fuck, whatever you're filling that void with, it's not going to fill. And coming to that realization as, as well as like slowly watching my father fade away in front of me, it, just acknowledging that void and acknowledging there is no filling it, it's really helping me put things into perspective and it's helping me with all of my relationships. And I know th this sounds like a rambling mess of an intro, I'm sure. But all of that is to say, like, whatever it takes, man, whatever it takes to just be happy, 
That's what you should be striving for. Try to be happy instead of trying to get stuff because all that stuff isn't going to make you happy. You're going to get that stuff and you're still going to feel like shit. And I think even coming to realize that it helps with the satisfaction. So, yeah, man. I think that the other day in the shower when I was, like, coming up with the point of this intro, it was probably a little more sensical in my head. But now that I'm trudging through it, I can see that it still needs some work trying to conceptualize what it is the fuck that I'm talking about. But we'll get there. We're going to figure it out in the philosophy of Lee and the philosophy of life. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, man. Shit's cool. Wes Period is our guest today. I like Wes. I was trying to figure out when he got here why I knew his name. Like, beyond the song that he performs, Big Bag, which I really enjoy, and I don't think it's getting the shine that it deserves yet because in my heart of hearts, it's a smash. Like, I, it gets stuck in my head, and I catch myself singing it around the house. So beyond that... He looked really familiar, and his name sounded familiar, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then come to find out, it's because back when Tommy Genesis was a guest on the show last year or the year before, I can't remember, they all blend together. But when she was a guest on the show, she showed me pictures of some people that she was working with, and it turns out that one of them was Wes. And um, yeah, he's a very excited and happy dude and it's contagious like he has a very contagious energy he has a certain star quality to him that not a lot of people that walk through the or not not that a lot of people that walk through the door don't have it but he has a very, a very specific kind of star quality that like you can pick up on you know what i mean like he's a magnetic person and um our conversation really goes someplace towards the end i felt like we we really tapped into something and uh you know Sometimes you have these conversations that are like bonding experiences on this show. And whether it's real or not, for the moment and for the day, they seem that way. And today was a very real day where we had a real experience. And I hope big things come to this dude because I'm rooting for him now. So without further ado, after that borderline nonsensical rant, I'm going to get right into our interview with West Period here on Kinder Neats. Thank you guys for tuning in. West period. Here you are. Hey. Sitting right across from me. What's up? Um, I don't know. What is up? You have a project out now? Or no, what are you, are you I have a couple on singles. Yeah, okay, yeah I'm working singles. on a project. Yeah. So we're dropping that in January. Yeah, right. Um, pretty excited. It's going to yeah. be dope. So yeah. Pretty Words EP. Pretty Words EP. Yeah. Okay. And here you are, pretty in pink, and you're you in know. your pink panther jacket yeah, today. Yeah, perfect 10. A perfect, perfect 10. You know. So, Wes, who are you? Tell me about yourself. Where, uh, are, you, where are you from? Oh, man. Uh, from La Habra, California. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just a weird kid. Uh, grew up in La Habra. Love hip-hop. Um, That's Orange County, yeah? Yeah, so it's strange. Yeah. Going to high school is like... I had this vision of, like, remember when we were kids, there was, like, all these uh, shows about, like, 
performance arts high schools and stuff like that, where it's like the kid would go and like click up with their friends. Yeah. And like, uh, so that was like my idea of high school. Yeah. So I was like, okay, when I get to high school, I'm going to meet the dopest rap click yeah. and we're all about to do this shit. Yeah. And then I pulled up to high school and was like, oh, it's the same kids I went to junior high with. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like... And There's it, nobody, know. like, making hip-hop or really into it. So I ended up linking up with, like, the, the like, punk kids, hardcore kids. Yeah. At the time, you know, from the outside, like, if you're just the straight hip-hop head the whole life, your whole life, anybody who looks like they're into rock is a punker, yeah. especially in right. that time. Right. So I was like, oh, fuck, like, what's up with these punker kids? Like, they're yelling at everybody, walking across. But it was hella confusing because they would be yelling at kids other punkers uh-huh. at the time to me and they'd be like punk is dead uh-huh. i'm like who are these kids right so later i find out they're hardcore kids right okay research the difference if y'all don't know but it's like right so i link up with them and i saw rapping over like breakdowns mm. and like pop punk shit and so that's kind of how i came up in high school i was in this band called close but not quite okay we would play at chain reaction like every weekend yeah so like Orange County knows me from being the kid passing them out flyers, okay. <laughs> passing flyers out forever, doing that thing, and that's yeah. kind of how I got into like the game. I started playing shows early, so that, and was that to like avoid the Orange County Young Republicans or what? Whoa, bro, that shit is fucking crazy. Yeah, because like I mean, my parents are Democrats, whatever, yeah. but it would be crazy because I would go to school and it's I would be yes, there's so many fucking Republicans, bro. Yeah, Orange County is like one of the few Republican strongholds. California. It's a fucking weird place. Right. A lot of people co-sign it. I mean, I love La Habra for the weird quirks of like where I'm from and stuff. It's a strange place, man. I yeah. can't really back a lot of this shit down there. Yeah. How did your folks end up in Orange County? Are, are you born and bred there in La Habra? Um, I was born in La Mirada, so okay, like right so, next yeah. door, basically. Right, yeah. Right. So my dad's from uh, Louisiana originally. Okay. He was um, he was born down there. He's hella old. My dad's seventy. Shout Is he out. Creole? Creole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, you have Creole. like an interesting ethnically look, ambiguous right, look. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So my dad's Creole. I mean, it was like the Jim Crow South at the time. My dad's seventy, so he was born by a midwife, like wow. all the way, man. And then yeah. when he was eighteen, he moved out to California, like my grandma moved, and got out of the South and uh, started a new life. And then um, somehow he wiggled down to L.A. He went to actually my dad got drafted to Vietnam. Oh, wow. Insane. He came back, was in L.A. at that time, met my mom and they did the thing. They met at a bank. My mom is, you know, the sweetest, like most quintessential white mom ever. Just like we would have the like my house was the house. All the homies would come through after school. Like I always had the studio at my spot. We were always recording there, hanging out. My band would practice there. So my mom is just she's a sweetheart. Um, She grew up in Montebello. okay. so she's like a SoCal girl. Yeah. And um, so I think she work. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. My whole life. So she worked wholesale for Sprint. She was a project manager. Okay. So she, like, basically, besides doing cell phones, Sprint puts together large networks for companies. So the Gap may need a network, right, for all of their stores to, like, communicate, communicate with, with each other. Right. My mom sets that up. Like, she runs the programs to set wow. that up. So okay. she's really smart. She did it without a college degree. Okay. So, like, shout out to my mom for, like, doing her fucking thing. And then what did dad do? My dad is... A media buyer. Okay. So my so basically what that is is TV shows have a certain amount of time to for, um, for advertisement. Yeah. So it's like my dad will link with a car like a car renter 
who just needs a 15 second commercial like one time, you know, and he'll yeah. go out and find like KCAL 9 will give you like 15 second spot for this however much, much money. money. Right. So he's kind of like the middleman for that. Wow. So both of my parents are like, you know, either one of them graduated college. They're just grinders. Right. And like the dopest like examples to look up to ever um they got divorced when i was really young but they were like but i mean as far as just like examples of people and the way to live they're incredible did that make you kind of a latchkey kid or what like were you Mm -mm, no my mom because my mom actually um worked from home she started like she was one of the first waves of telecommuters so she start she was at sprint and that was when like my grandma would pick me up from school Uh in the the fucking chrysler new yorker you know my grandma's the sweetest lady too she would be so embarrassing because like I get out at school at three you know my grandma would be waiting there at one o'clock okay I'd be like getting back from lunch and my grandma's right. already in already the parking there. lot sure. and I'm like oh fuck yeah um but yeah so nah like I always had someone there so then like once my mom started telecommuting then she would just be there and that was dope so I so got your to- mom's very tech savvy Dude, the weirdest thing is no, <laughs> bruh. She don't know. She, she, dog, like she doesn't know how to work a phone. She really? never answers her phone. Very typical regular mom. Like That's so you funny know? being like an early adopter telecommunicator or tele, whatever yeah, telecommuter. Yeah, you would yeah. think like, oh yeah, she's up on all the new shit. Works bruh. for Sprint. Got the unlimited data plans. I t- I ask her this all the time. Like, yo, what? I don't get it. I don't understand. But I mean, her thing is this, like. She's tried to explain to me what she's done beyond, like, the way I just explained it. Uh-huh. It's impossible to understand. Mm. She's tech-savvy on a whole different— Right. It's, like— On a, on a mega Engineering level. level. Yeah, like, yeah. not even tech. Like, I know—because, she, yeah, she don't know, barely know how to work a touchscreen, bro. Right. But she can, like, make computers from different parts of the world talk to Like, on other. a macro level, not a micro level, yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. She understands it on, like, a way larger scale. So I assume your grandmother that you're talking about that would pick you up is your mom's mom. Yeah. So does your dad's family have— have, yeah, Grandma does, Hattie. Does he have family out here, or are they yeah, all in Louisiana still? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So um, my Grandma Hattie passed away. Oh. Rest her soul. She was an incredible woman. Right. I mean, like, she was, you know, um, the daughter of sharecroppers, bro. Wow. So it's just, like, coming from that. And, like, you know, and then my dad has nine other, nine siblings. Nine siblings? Nine siblings. Wow. One passed away, so there's nine of them all together now. Bro. Yeah, so you have a lot of a lot of family from the Louisiana side, then. Yeah, yeah. Tons. Do, you, do you go? Did you go out there a lot as a kid? No, I've actually never been to Louisiana because when my dad moved, everybody moved. Everybody you know, came. Because it's one of those things. Yeah. So it's a move. Like my aunties moved, my grandma moved, everybody moved at once to Sacramento. No shit. And then there was a migration down there, so like my family split between Sacktown and. Okay, LA. so you'd be back and forth to Sacramento a lot then? Or no, what? I no? actually never been. Dude. You never been to Sacramento I've or Louisiana? N- I've never been. Wow, you got to go back. to I've the, never the... been. Like all my all my dad. So basically. Basically, my grandma moved down to L.A., so yeah. all my dad's brothers and sisters, yeah. he's the oldest, and yeah. he was a senior when they moved. Okay. So all my dad's brothers and sisters all are, like, L.A. to the core. My dad's, like, always been salty because he had to move a bunch, you know, mm. so he doesn't feel like he had, like, his his spot. But, like, right. everyone else is, like, L.A. And then my, and then my dad's aunt, so my great aunt is Sacramento. Yeah. They come down here a lot, but yeah, I've actually never been up there, bro. It's crazy. All right, so let's talk about your like direct family lineage then because I'm already hearing like, oh, my dad's old. This He's is a 70. family tree. There, there's like some interesting shit going yeah. on here because I bet your mom's younger than 70. Right, she's a little bit, but she's not that much younger. My really? mom's, yeah, my mom's 59. Okay. So, so my parents are like older. Were, are they second marriages or something? Or mm, what? My mom, I was, I'm her first and only. First and only? First no and only. Yeah. And my dad, 
uh, it was like his second marriage, and I have two half brothers, Jarrell okay. and Reggie. Okay. Yeah, so we're like all ten years apart. Yeah. So wow. my dad took his time. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So your mom got off to what, like a late start, because she was a career woman, or what? No, nah, she always just says that she just wanted to take her time. Yeah. And um, like really live life. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and she that, did. Yeah, and she did. She yeah. did it, man. She got all the pictures. Right. <laughs> she got nice. all the pictures yeah. for me. Yeah. You know. So. Right. So yeah. you grew up essentially as an only child then. Like, you have half-brothers, but, like, mm-hmm. sociologically and emotionally, I would say you're probably, like, an only, only child. child. Yeah. exactly. So it's fucked up. It's not the, fucked up. It's just you got, you got more attention. You got a lot of attention. Yeah, probably, it's yeah? different. Yeah, yeah, so it's, like, even, you know, but I think that, like, having brothers and sisters is pretty dope. Yeah. And, like, I have brothers, you know, but we didn't grow up together like that. Uh-huh. So it's, like... Yeah, I, I kind of missed that. I right. feel like I missed out on a cool part of life yeah. that you only get, you know, one shot at. Right, right. <laughs> I feel you. I mean, the grass is always greener. Growing right. up with brothers and sisters, you're like, oh, I wish I was by myself more. Yeah, that's like, true. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think I'm pretty good at sharing and shit. Yeah. Like, I think I figured out how to play with other kids. Right. But, yeah, it was, it's like, it's definitely different. Yeah. It can get lonely and shit. Talk to me about early life in Orange County. What were you into before high school and the band stuff? Like, Yeah. Yeah, what did um, you get into? I mean, I was like, Every other, like, black kid trying to find his way, I wanted to be a basketball player and a rapper, like, forever, you know what I mean? And then also, at the same time, I was skating, Uh like, obviously, because I'm in Orange Orange County, County. so I'm skating, too. But that lasted real short. I definitely had all the skater shoes, was never really good at skating, went to the van skate park in Orange at the block, and was in the mini pipe, learning how to drop in, dropped in, broke my shit. What'd you break? My ankle. I broke my ankle in eighth grade. It's terrible. Sixth grade, broke my ankle, was stoked on the cast, because that's another experience. I'm all about the experience. Another experience I got to have, everyone signed my cast and shit, so that was tight, but I never skated again. Like, fuck that. You know, that's funny. In eighth grade, I broke... Which ankle was it? Uh, right ankle. I broke my left ankle in eighth grade, and my dad was a medic in the Air Force, so yeah. like I had pretty much the unlimited casts on deck. Like as you know, how your ankle starts to shrink and your right. cast gets real loose. Right. Every time it would get a little loose, I'd be like, "Hey, Dad, I want a new cast." He would take me to the right. clinic. So I had, ma- you down. I, had, I had like mad different color ones. I yeah. had like a green one, a blue one. Like oh. uh, yeah, I just kept doing it. The thing I remember is I got those like fancier crutches, like the forearm crutches oh. instead of the armpit ones. Bro, I got so good at them. I could, like, walk on them like stilts and shit. It was amazing. <laughs> but similarly, like— What's the kid from South Park? Jimmy? Yeah, it was, I had the Jimmy yeah. I had the Jimmy crutches, real That's shit. That's amazing. But, yeah, it was the same thing where, like, I did it playing football, and then I was like, well, fuck football. Like, yeah. I'm done with that shit. Yeah. And that's kind of what it sounds like with you with skateboarding. Right. It was one of those things where it was like, this, I don't love this enough. Exactly. Like, like, just to keep it real. Right. You know what I mean? I right. just don't love this enough. Right. Now, like, rap— I've gone through some shit probably worse than breaking your ankle for yeah, rap, you know? Absolutely. And, like, that, obviously, I did. But, yeah, you could you, you figure out your true passions if you're really looking for I, them. I, that's, a, that's a pretty profound thing to, re- yeah. to realize. I've never really thought of it that way. But, yeah, yeah, like, if you love it enough, you'll kill yourself for it. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? And, like, that was the thing. It was, like, like I, I was really into baseball. So, like, baseball, I would fuck myself up and I'd be like, okay, got to get better yeah. so I can keep playing. And then football, I was like, I'm just not passionate enough about this. <laughs> if I'm going to be breaking myself, this ain't what it's going to be for. No. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, because that's really, you know. Yeah. Orange County has the kind of like stereotype of being extra white. So was it different growing up as a black kid in Orange County? Yeah, it was different. But, um, well, I mean, 
it definitely has parts where it's extra white, but then there's another part. I'm from what North Orange County okay. specifically, yeah. right? So that's like La Habra, Fullerton, Anaheim, uh-huh. Buena Park, Stanton, and like that's a little different. Like it's it's predominantly Hispanic. Okay. So like honestly, I always tell people when it really boils down to it, a lot of times I find myself relating to like Latino people more right. than anything because that's right. who I grew up with a lot. Right. Um, and then I'm sure people probably thought you might be Hispanic. At right. In your people life, right? think people think yeah. I'm like Dominican all the time. So right. I just got back from New York. Everyone was like, "Hey, Poppy." Yeah, I'm right. like, I don't know what's yeah, up yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So like. I mean, growing up, you know, it's all about watermelon suckers and, and Lucas and, you know, just. Yeah. So, I don't know. Me, I grew up around, like, literally probably 90% of my friends were Mexican. Okay. So, nah, it wasn't extra white. It was super Mexican for me, honestly. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, nice. Did you find yourself going through any, like, identity yeah, crises, crises mm-hmm. or anything like that? Trying yeah. to find your place of. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. growing up, you know, like, I mean, just trying to fit into the world like the way I say it is like there was there's not really like a lot of mixed archetypes right you know so like as a mixed kid what am I supposed to be like the world which isn't a good thing necessarily but the world kind of shows you these different stereotypes like this is stereotypically white man this is stereotypical black man right like archetypes and yeah um you didn't have that on tv growing up either there was no no, that's not on tv TV. Barack Obama you know is like the big one now but it's like you didn't have that so it was kind of like what do I look like what do I act like what do I be and then obviously you know hanging out with like the black kids you're always too white and hanging out with the white kids you're too black and like it's hard to find your place and it was kind of the same way with my family yeah and I had to learn yeah when when you go to like family reunions or family functions on your mom's side are you the only brown kid there yeah yeah a thousand percent and how did that feel growing up it was crazy because like I mean from both sides it made me feel out of place like it was like at my dad's side I'm like the only light-skinned one everyone like I remember this one day one of my uncles I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put you on blast right now but you know who you are Uncle D (laughs) but this man called me a peckerwood and I was like I didn't know what that was right because that's a weird ass diss anyway with like says that right. and then like i went home and was like mom uncle d called me a peckerwood yeah. and she was like she got so hot bro it was yeah. like what and you know it always be little shit like that all the time or just like going to school and like you know the whole like you don't sound like a stereotype like right. you don't sound like a normal black guy right, it's like right. what does that mean yeah. and, like all that shit so of course like dealing with all that shit my whole yeah, life so that yeah. is really like a big piece of like what makes me me uh-huh. um, because basically I had to realize that I'm never going to really fully fit in yeah. and probably I imagine everyone feels like that to some degree no matter what you know yeah. and you have to learn how to just be comfortable with yourself totally and just be you and some people I would imagine internalize that and allow them and allow that to paint them into a corner and other people embrace that and, right. and allow that to like right like just explain that elephant in the room from the get-go and just be talk to everybody and, and right. be friendly to people uh-huh, or whatever. Yeah. I think for sure like like I've had people be like, yo, you just gotta choose. Like, you know, you just gotta choose a side. Like people uh, literally told me that. So it's like America's so weird that way. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, to be real, it's crazy. So that's just that's definitely a big piece of me and kind of what makes me me as an artist and a person overall is dealing with that identity crisis Mm -hmm. issues growing up Mm -hmm. and then getting to the point where I just had to be like, fuck it. Like I am who I am, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, 
I like my dad's black. Like I identify as a black man, but I also know that I'm white, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and I'm mixed race in America, and that definitely has affected me and, and made me who I am. You said you were playing basketball in school. Like, what other things did you get into other than basketball? Did you take to school? Did you? I was a really good student up until I wasn't. Right. <laughs> like I don't know. So I was in like I was in you know honors math like algebra two freshman year like eighth grade I used to go to the high school for math and then come mm. to junior high for the rest of the day like in one right. of those programs. Right. Sophomore year, I linked back up with like my best friend from junior high, Alex, and he was one of those like punk, yeah. one of the punker kids, yeah. you know. And he showed me. Which is so funny, like, when you're outside, when you don't know a lot about other genres and shit, but it's like, he introduced me to a man called Gym Class Heroes, which isn't punk music at yeah. all, right? They, but they, were, they were big in, like, 05, right. 06. So, yeah. so he, he was just like, yo, like, this is dope. And so speaking of, like, when archetypes start coming into place for me, right? Travis McCoy. There's a... Bam. Yeah. So I'm like, archetype. oh, shit. So I can be that? Right. Like, I'm allowed to do this? Right. Okay, like this, like, you know, and then at the same time, there's Kanye out, which I, I mean, I was just the biggest Kanye stand ever, still him to this day. Right, that was that era of like Kanye, NERD. Lupe, Pharrell, yeah. Travi, like all of a sudden these, which were the different kids, and now I guess we're just like the only kids, yeah. right? But at yeah. the beginning, that was like, you were weird for doing that shit. So I remember getting like disowned by the basketball team for coming to school in tight pants. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm, like mm. all of those things. That's started a really coming interesting era in music for me because being like a half generation older than you, like yeah. that era didn't affect kids my age that much, but it did affect the kids that are 10, 15 years oh, younger yeah. where it's like, I would say that, um, where I am, 808s and Heartbreaks is probably like my least favorite Kanye album. You right. know what I'm saying? Because it's like the least traditional, mm-hmm. I guess. But for so many, that's like the most influential Kanye right. album. You know what I mean? And like NERD didn't really hit me like that, but I know that NERD is like hugely influential to kids a half generation younger than me, and that affects the music that comes out today, yeah? yeah a thousand percent. Yeah. So I think it's like, I mean, we can't forget Lupe in that time Lupe, either, yeah. bro. Like, yeah, yeah. the food and liquor, okay. uh, um, all those mixtapes, Revenge of the Nerds, like, yeah. all of them were just insane. Yeah, that was the dopest time, but it was really weird because also I think that was, like, snap dancing was mm, happening yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. at once. Because right. I remember, like... Oh, I think they like Right, me. I remember being at the Boys and Girls Club with, like, the, like after school and watching, like, Young Jock yeah. and doing the It's Going yeah. Down oh, dance. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then probably going home and listening to, like, Graduation or something at the same time. Right. Right. So that's like that's a that was a super weird time. Yeah. So that's kind of where like these two worlds were parting, and you kind of saw a departure from gangster rap, maybe. Yeah, totally. Right. Beca- there became like this kind of alternative art wave, I guess. So that's when like the music took over, and you stopped caring about studies as much, or what? Yeah, definitely stopped caring about studies. But it's crazy because like at that time when all that hip hop was booming, I was like loving that, and then at the same time like learning about different music because. I'm fucking. I'm in a band now. Right. So I got. So your you know, buddies are like, "Yo, listen to Pennywise." Yeah. Well, nah, nah. <laughs> listen, you know, different. Like, um, Panic at the Disco yeah, and Fall okay. Out Boy, yeah. and then like super heavy shit like Born of Osiris and like like death metal basically. So I'm like, 
I'm on some, like, I'm not going to lie, when everybody started popping out of the box on some, like, um, a rock star shit, I had to I had to adjust for a minute because I'm like, no, I've been crowd surfing for years, player. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm in chain reaction right now. What, you know what, what, what I mean? What was your band called? Close But Not Quite. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we did some things. We did, like, a Hot Topic tour back in the day. Wow. Yeah, like, I mean, I really did this shit. Yeah. Um, we followed Warp Tour, so we were just, like, a band to follow. We snuck in every day, selling our CDs. So, wow. I mean, been doing it to where, like, people kind of have followed me across genres, which has been dope. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, like I said, hip-hop's always my first love, but uh-huh. I'm the type of person I want to make the best music possible. So if you put if you put the dopest band ever in front of me... And then you get you, you could work with this dope ass band or you could work with this whack producer. I'm not gonna pick the producer just because he's making hip hop. Okay, you know yeah, what I mean. Right, I'm right. gonna fuck with the band. Like right. if you tell me they make better music, I'm fucking with them. Right. right. So that's kind of like how I've always done things, and it's dope that people are down to follow me on that journey. Did you end up graduating high school? Yeah. Okay. So there are a few themes on this show, and one of them is like uh, bad dads. That's mm-hmm. a lot of artists have bad dads Ooh. for some reason, and then the other one is that like people are really good students until they like get really into music and then they just say fuck it and drop out so i was curious maybe if you yeah a really good student i did say fuck it and dropped out i then like but my parents weren't having that so but me and my mom kept this shit from my dad i literally told my dad like two years ago yeah (laughs) like that uh yo dad i went to continuation school oh so you did drop out for a minute and then you went back yeah i dropped out went to continuation school yeah so never told my dad yo moms include the dads like when we talk about bad dads yeah. it's like that's a thing like a lot of times dads aren't included like the way they should and at the time i was like so thankful to my mom for not telling my dad you know what i mean because he would have whooped, whooped that ass <laughs> but low-key that's what i fucking needed bro right like to be real when your folks divorced was he like not in in there as much as you would have liked or what nah um he was there as much as he possibly could be and my okay. mom and uh, was really good at it you yeah. know she just had that protective mom thing okay and so so when it probably came time to really discipline me, dad could have came in, but that shit didn't happen. Uh, so I was a little wild, okay. you know? Yeah. I kind of just did what I wanted and my mom supported it, which I'm super fucking grateful for because it made me the insane artist that I am. But also at the same time, like my first album is called Late Bloomer. Uh-huh. And I feel like one of the major reasons why like I'm a late bloomer is because I lack discipline. Like mm. I needed to figure that out for myself and it took me a little bit of time mm-hmm. <laughs> to, mm-hmm. get, to get it together, you know mm-hmm. and so i think yeah yeah for sure but do you feel like in being a late bloomer that maybe when you were younger you weren't ready and that you're happy that it's happening now instead a thousand percent yeah. of course that's the yeah. only way it can work out and like also you know i think god gives you things like when you're ready for it right so um like i got baptized for my 25th birthday oh wow and like two weeks later someone broke into my house in k-town and stole everything wow like my computer yeah. Uh, all my jewelry. I just got a grill from Mr. Blings and down in Slauson. Like everything, mm. man. He stole. Like, they stole your teeth? They stole my fucking teeth. Bro. That's fucked up. They what are you going to do with the teeth? Like, dude, fuck. that's the thing. They ain't going to fit what you. Why are you going to take those? I just moved into a crib. Yeah. This shit going to sound like a setup. I've done all the research I can. I don't know. If y'all know any information, let me know. <laughs> but basically, I just. Crime Stoppers, kind of right, neat version. Let's go. go. Yeah. It was a. Breezy day in February 2016 when an unsuspecting group of children get their house broken into (laughs) while they were out at Ham on Everything, a popular 
L.A. party. I was probably bartending that party. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Shit. So anyway, like, yeah, we were out. Some fools broke into the crib. It was crazy. Really? It was crazy. And so, like, we got back. Everything's gone. Um, everything. So. Here's the thing. I've never gotten to relate to anybody on this, so. I'm going to throw something out there and you see if you feel it. Uh, My house got robbed the week after I graduated from college, yeah. right? And I, I was, I'm a photographer. And so I had all of my negatives that I had shot for five years. I had all my, all my like hard drives that had digital files of, of pictures on it. Everything, my portfolio, everything got stolen. But it kind of felt like a clean slate. And now I had to force myself to create more. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened for me is like coming up in a band world, right? There's something cool about like... Yeah, so when I lost my shit, yeah. it brought me back to being in bands, yeah. which was dope. Because when you're in a band, you don't necessarily, it's not like, okay, we're in a room, we're sitting behind a computer, like, we make this beat, now go record it. Yeah. Writing a song is like, you might be writing a song with your band for a couple weeks. Right. Like, first you jam it, someone finds the thing on guitar, yeah. then you got to get the beat, you figure out the structure. Right. it's polishing. The whole time and, yeah. they're jamming, you're thinking of lyrics and stuff, right? So when I lost my computer, it was like... Oh, music is more than just like recording, mm -hmm. you know, and I think I was so in this mind state of like this shit is just about finding a beat and like instant gratification of like having the product. Mm -hmm. So there was like two weeks where I didn't there was like a few weeks where I didn't have a computer. I had to like dig out this old ass like thing I finally found that like kind of worked, you know, mm -hmm. but it was a couple weeks where I didn't have anything at all. And I just started like playing on guitar like the little tiny bit I knew and like messing with piano and it was like I forgot what it was like to have s songs like stuck in your head yeah like, like latent songs that were not on you, a computer you yet. have a yeah. you have a studio so like you could probably relate in the sense of like people just like you got a song and then it's out uh -huh. it's out of your head you know right, what I right. mean remember when you were saving up money to oh, go yeah. record and you had five records just like in your head for six months yeah. and like you knew that shit at like the back of your hand when you went in yeah. so it's reminded me about that and yeah. like taking my time a little bit so that was dope but I'm not gonna lie I had other people's music cause I engineered like that's mm. how I kinda uh, came up okay. so I had other people's music so it was a good feeling for me selfishly I'm not gonna lie I did feel that uh -huh. but on a level of some of the music I lost from other people, that bro. That fucked them over. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It hurt. I thought I was going to have to, like, fight a couple times just off the strength of, like, everyone knew it wasn't my fault, but just off the strength of, like, I would have been so mad. I probably would have wanted to fight me. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But luckily, everyone was cool. And yeah, because there's no insurance love. policy on fucking lost songs. On you know, data. just, like, start over. Yeah. yeah, unless you have it backed up, which everyone back your shit up. I yeah. didn't have my shit backed up. Mm, 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 mm. Dirty. That's miserable, man. Right. What, what hand party was it? Uh, I can't even remember. Uh, Tommy was there, though. Tommy Genesis. Okay. And uh, pulled up with the homegirls. And then after that, um, it was crazy, though, because that night she was there playing. Mm -hmm. That's the night I lose all my stuff. Mm -hmm couple months later click up with her and yeah ali and we did a project mm. and i told her like yo the first night i found out about you my mm. whole life got fucked over that's so funny. you know so yeah. it's kind of crazy how things all work out but i mean directly after that i moved out of that crib i like uh just moved into a studio, you know, like a lockout, no windows, eight by nine, had a futon and a little ass table that would fit in there, mm. had all my equipment, started posting Craigslist ad, ads, 
Um, at the same time, Tommy, like my homie Ye, was like, yo, this girl Tommy wants to do a project. They mm-hmm. came through to record. She, mm-hmm. Tommy was like, why don't you just be in the group with us? Mm-hmm. So we did Baby Daddy. That's why I know. That's, okay, that's yeah. why your name sounds so familiar. And, okay, now I remember because yeah. around the time that Tommy did the... the um, your episode, right? Yeah, the episode we of were Can, working on. She was showing me pictures of you guys and was like, oh yeah, this is what... And like yeah. she's like, look, isn't he cute? Da, 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 da. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. now that's why I recognize yeah. you. I was trying to put that together this whole time. I'm like, why does yeah. this still look so familiar beyond yeah. just the video and everything? Mm-hmm. That's okay. it. Okay. So okay. yeah, me, Tommy, and Ye did a project called yeah. Baby Dot Daddy. And if y'all don't, uh, if you guys haven't heard it, check it out, man. It was, it, it's super dope. Kind of yeah. slept on. So everyone yeah. needs to peep that. All right. Yeah. Now it's all coming together. Yeah. Okay. So Wes, let's go back a little bit because I am interested in your journey as a band member. And I'm curious, like while you were still in high school, it sounds like that's when the, the creative Creativity really started right. to blossom. So tell me some of the like great grimy stories that you don't get to tell that often. You know what I mean? Of like being in a band and like, you know, just how shit has changed in the last 10 years or whatever. Like what were your hustles like when you're in a high school band and like handing out flyers and shit like that? Or yeah, what? bro. Yeah. So listen, this is MySpace days, yeah. y'all. Okay. So it, like social media worked a lot different. Like you right. could do a bulletin post yeah. on MySpace, but it wasn't necessarily like – as interpersonal as it is, and you now. really couldn't tell your metrics. Like when you put a bulletin out there, it didn't tell you like this many people have opened yeah, it. Yeah, there's, and he, there's you know, no like yeah. button. Right, there's so no. So like. it was just like maybe people are seeing it, right. maybe it's not. So it was pretty crazy because it was just before everything started hitting. So I'm fucking passing out flyers. It was crazy because I was young, so I'm out there being a kid, and that's kind of what my like advantage has been. Like I was on the internet hella young, so like everyone else that was out there maybe wasn't on MySpace. They still passing out flyers. I'm doing both. I'm with like the 30-year-old rappers when I'm like 14 years old passing right. out my demo outside right. of a show and at the same time working MySpace, fucking putting people in my top eight, like right. giving top eight trades, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> all those things. So right. it's like kind of being starting out so young. Like I've been in the game for 10 years. I'm only 26. You know right. what I'm saying? But right. that's like from the very beginning. I played my first show when I was 16. It, was that a chain reaction? Mm-hmm. It, no, no. Oh. It was at the Alley in okay. Fullerton, if okay. anyone remembers that place. Um, who, who, like, who are some of the bands that you were, like, so excited to open for? Because I remember being a youngster, that was, like, the big thing. It's like, oh, man, we're opening for this band. Right. This might be the this might be the this, big break. Yo, so our big thing was uh, one of our, like, second shows ever, we opened for The Pack and Tyga. Oh, wow. Tyga and The Pack were on yeah, tour. Yeah. So that was tight for me because it was like, I rap. Like, yeah. I've always been a rapper. So it was like, hell yeah. So that was crazy. And it was like Vans on era. Right. Like, that, they just dropped an EP and it had Vans on and a right. couple other songs. Uh-huh. And um, that, like, and then Tiger was opening. He didn't have anything we know Tiger for yet. Right. And so that was, like, really dope. And then um, later on, we did this battle of the bands to play Bamboozle Left. There you go. And Bamboo- and we won the whole thing. And, like, first place uh, was playing main stage uh-huh. and um, opening for 50 Cent. So uh, we got to open. We played main stage Bamboozle Left and open for 50 Cent. Where's that at? Is it like a college thing or something? No, Bamboozle's like a big-ass festival from New Jersey that's on the East Coast. Oh. And uh, then they moved it to the West Coast. I don't think they do it anymore. But it was at like 
like what is it Verizon Amphitheater oh shit like it was huge yeah. bro way like super duper big right so that was like did you go on early or, or like we were like midday yeah, yeah how, so, how is that as like a relatively unknown band playing a venue that big was it bro honestly maybe it's just me cause, like cause I think my live show is dope but yeah. li- there's nothing like live shows bro yeah. like people still come up to me from random stuff like I played a show open for Vic Mensa like three years ago and yeah. people still come up to me out the like in the streets of LA like yo I saw you with Vic Mensa and yeah. it's just like and you know that's Echoplex so like I don't know what the cap is but that's not huge right but dude like yeah that did a lot it was dope man really? yeah and especially at that time like Things were a little different where it didn't seem like every person in the world was popping. So yeah. to be able to be like, yo, we play with 50 Cent. Yeah. Like, we opened for him like, five bands before him. <laughs> like, what what was, was the dope. lineup of your band? Like, you guys had guitarists, bassists, drummer, yeah, and you? Or two, what? two guitars, yeah. a bass, and drums. And what like what would you say, like, what, what did Close But Not Quite sound like? Like, who were your contemporaries? Bro, no one. Like, go back right now. Like, I would say nobody sounded like Close not quite till kids these days oh okay kids these days that's a, that's a strong comparison right they're dope so, yeah so yeah. like did you guys have a horn section then no no but it was just like the kind of like the vibe of what they were like it yeah. was like that but maybe we were like they were just more polished because okay. we were doing it way like a little earlier yeah but if you guys don't know kids these days that's where vig mensa came from yeah right? and they, they were really dope yeah dude they were amazing yeah, very polished yeah oh yeah that's the thing like on top of it so we were like that kind of but a little more raw in our, like, homies' bedroom recordings. Okay. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Did you do, like, band stuff in school? Did you learn to play instruments like that? No, nah, man. No. So I just, like, now now I'm, like, producing a lot of my stuff and yeah. all that. And, like, that just came from hanging out with musicians. Uh-huh. Like, I, I would, like, tell everybody that, bro. Like, just hang out with musicians and learn. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that, like, I don't, um, most people don't care to learn, bro. Like, they'll sit in the room, like, as an engineer, right, I'll be, like, when I was engineering, I'd be with rappers that sit in the room in the studio with me for six hours a day, and, like, they still don't know how to do, like, the first thing on the computer. And that's cool if that's your wave, do your thing, they're killing it, but for me, I'm kind of like... I couldn't let someone just look at some shit for six hours and then be doing a whole thing over there and me not go, hey, what you doing, bro? Right, right. <laughs> you know right, what I'm right. saying? You're so for me, like, I, I picked up, like, my musicianship just from being around people. Like, what's that? Why are you putting your fingers like that? Hey, I noticed, like, it looks the same way and you just slide it up and down. What's that mean? Oh, right. that's a power chord. Okay, like. A lot of people in my life have asked me, like, oh, well, you, you know, you're so passionate about music. Why didn't you go to school for music? Like, because I went to school for photography. Right. And I, as a kid, I thought I was passionate about photography, but I realized now as an adult, I wasn't, like, passionate enough to teach myself. But similar to our stories about breaking our ankles and, and like, realizing that that's not what we wanted to kill ourselves over, it's like your true passion, you will take the time to learn it on your own and no one's going to need to teach you. You know what I mean? Like no one's going to need to teach you that. So with the photography shit, like I make money off of it, but I've always looked at it as a job because I I wasn't passionate enough to teach myself about it. And the music shit, I like, like, you know, you could probably look at a wave and tell what word it is now. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And it's like, I taught myself that shit too. Right. Just by accident, just because like I love it so much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing for me. It was just like anything that I'm going to be around enough I have a passion for it, I'm mm-hmm. going to learn about it. So yeah. it's like, you know, and it, it's helped so much in my career because at this point I, I get to be co-directing my music videos yeah. because, like, 
I can pull up Photoshop. I can go into Final Cut. Like, I can hit Premiere. Like, I can touch a little bit of everything. Right. And, like, I'm so grateful that, you know, whatever God put that in me to just ask questions and be curious. Yeah, right. And most of the time, people will answer them. Yeah. People always be like, oh, like, no one's helps me. It's like, are you really asking? Are you And are you doing your work after someone tells you what to do? Right. You know? Yeah, because that's the other thing. Is like, when you know something, you want to tell people about it. It's just like, you got to ask the right questions to get the answers. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, pe- people are willing to share their knowledge if you sh- if you yeah. show enough interest in it, really. I think the era of people, like, trying to hold mad secrets is over. Yeah. You know? Like, I think... I think now it's just kind of like, like I saw Lex Luger posted a really long time ago. Lex Luger like tweeted like his drum kit out uh-huh. like years ago, and he just put, and it was when he was like the hottest producer in the game, yeah. and he was just like, "Yo, I'm not tripping. What, do whatever you want with my sounds because you're not gonna make like you're not gonna make what I make with them, right? You know." And before that, there was this whole culture. I feel like of people like not sharing samples. Oh and, like, yeah, you know what I Rap mean. Rap production has always been very secretive. Yeah, but I feel like now most of the homies that I'm with like are hella easy, yeah. bro. Like you know, a lot well, of the dope producers, like you know, my, my contemporaries on a production. Like I don't know if you know Business Boy, mm-hmm. like the homie Biz Theory, mm-hmm. um, Swizzy Mac. Like there's a bunch of people out there. And we all share everything and just, you know. Swizzy Mac dope. from Philadelphia? Yeah. I, I actually have randomly picked him up from the airport before to take him to a hand party. <laughs> that's but, so crazy. Yeah, that's the, that, he's a cool kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's the thing, man. When, as far as, like, sharing ideas goes, like, when people ask for advice, if they catch me in the right mood, I'll give them advice. Yeah. And, and I'll tell them all the fucking secrets. And yeah. you know why? Because I don't think that knowing how to do it means that you're going to do it because you could know how to do something, but you got to have that fucking drive to actually do it. Right. So there's a difference between knowing the path and actually walking the path yeah. and, and having the stick to achieve. You know right. what I mean? And that's the one thing that people are just missing is like if you're going to do it, you'll learn how to do it. It just depends on like the amount of heart that you have and the drive that you have to succeed and do it. You know what I'm saying? Perseverance, so, bro. Like yeah. I lived in studios. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you sleep on a fucking futon in a windowless room because well, you're 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 driven. That's what it is. Right. And that was like probably the most hap- like honestly to this day when I look at it like simplest happiest time of my life, bro. Like right. I was just working up, waking up. I got a session. I'm already here. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, tell me how we got to that point. Like when did when did close but not quite kind of come to an end so and you start going not, on your own journey? Yeah. So close but not quite was like into high school. Yeah. And then. People um, just went off to college yeah, and that I did was it? That, did yeah. that thing. We did a tour. We did a Hot Topic tour after high school. Yeah. And it was just kind of like started fizzling. And yeah. then um, at the same time, I was in this other, like another band started called Golden West. And I, it was basically like the same thing, but kind of took a like electronic direction. Like it was still a band. It was a guitar player and a drummer. Mm-hmm. And um, But we had like a lot more programming. Close but not quite was almost hundred percent live music mm-hmm. um so we had like a bunch of programming and then that kind of started doing something we went on tour with this dude called named t mills oh yeah i know T. Yeah. i know who that is i don't know yeah so um with t mills it, he goes just by travis now but uh he took us on our first tour um way back in the day and then so you you probably know syrah yeah, I do yeah. know Syrah. That's one of the old school homies that I came up with. Yeah, the yeah, from, yeah, from the Ham days and shit. No, even way before Ham. That's crazy. Ham is just, Ham came into fruition at the end of 2011, yeah. right? And I knew Adam from even before that because Adam used to be like this super underground rap nerd, like trying to he was trying to be he was trying to rap under the name Adamantium MC. And back then, everybody just thought he was this annoying yeah. kid, but I could just tell like, oh, this dude is fucking driven. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And then it takes a few failures before you come up with like the real idea. 
idea that's going to take you there, and that was him on everything. Right. But no, I know Syrah from, from – Yeah, because I remember bro, I know Syrah from like 2004. That's homie. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I remember Adam, bro, from pulling up. I used to run with like – I don't know if you know Panda Vuitton mm-hmm. and like Young L from I, the pack. I know L Young L. And, yeah. I know uh, who he is, yeah. Yeah, and then like I'll be around Cena a bit and stuff, just like some yeah. of the Bay dudes. And I remember L had a show. And Adam was promoting it. And we pulled up, and there was just this white dude with, like, crazy, like, the Ray-Ban, yeah. the neon Ray-Bans, and fucking uh, some weird, like, Hawaiian shirt. And he was just cooking, like, harder than anyone I ever seen cook. Yeah. So that, that was when cooking I always was popping. Te- I always tease Adam about, like, his phases, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> you, this you know whole, that phase. He, he, he's, he and I are literally the same age. We're about a month apart in yeah. age. And this fool, like, goes goes through phases like uh, like he's still a 16 year old and i'm always teasing him because i'm just like yo like four years ago you yeah. were dressed like fucking the hawaiian sophie vid every fucking day like a weirdo you know what i'm saying and like then he went through like a t-shirt phase where it's like all these like uh you know he, he wanted all of his shirts to have like some kind of catchphrase on him and shit and i'm just like yo you're such a weirdo but yeah. i love that fool but no yo shout out adam yeah. for holding it down in the scene for forever. Yeah, forever the hardest cooker i've ever seen if we go yo. back to what Whatever year that was, I want to challenge anyone. To I mean, know. I remember when he like found out about Lil B and cooking. It was like it the was, end of eleven because they were doing. They used to do hipsters who heart he, or hipsters who heart hip hop. Yeah, and I used to play those shows okay. for him. And then right around 2011, he was like, "Wait, I, he's like, I'm done with nerd rap. I want to fuck with swag rap." And so everyone was like, "Swag, swag, swag," Yo, and like, "Cook, cook," you know? Yeah, yeah. It was fucking. And I was just like, "What a Johnny Come Lately ass weirdo!" But I was like, "But he's onto something." Yo, man, shout out to the characters anyway, that of the LAC. That was, yeah, that was like a real fucking yeah. inside baseball moment. But yeah, so I know T Mills and I and I used to and Syrah's the one who told me about T Mills yeah. way back in the I day. I ran into Syrah at the airliner like years ago yeah, right. and like she was just playing a show and someone was like, This is gonna be the next Nicki Minaj and mm. I was like, Okay. Yeah. And then like Two years later, she won a Grammy, so shout yeah. out Syrah, you know? Yeah, like, I, I know Syrah before the Skrillex days, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, Syrah was a yeah. real backpacking-ass oh, rapper, hip-hop head. She, it's scary. Yeah. It's scary, like, back in the day, like, she had some crazy scary yeah, bars. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, she yeah. wasn't fucking around. Yeah, that's the homegirl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyhow, you went on tour with T-Mills with, yeah. with, um, and with Golden, Golden West. West. Yeah. And then after that, that band broke up. Bands break up, y'all. Bands be breaking up. Bands break up. So yeah, They will I'm, make her dance, and they will break up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So with that being said, ooh, that was fly. <laughs> Hold up. You know? um, uh, uh, whoa. Vans will make her dance and then they break up. Go ahead, man. Whew. Use it. You okay. can have it. You Thank can have you. it. Just okay. shout me out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that band broke up. So that was like a theme where I was like, okay, you know, we're not doing the band thing again because right. I'm doing this shit. Would you go through these like lapses of depression after that? Like it what? would seem like an era was ending? Bro, I had to go through self-realization. I had to go to self-realization class uh. after Golden West broke up. Yeah. I thought it was over, son. Right. I was like 21. I was like, oh, my life is what am I gonna do? over. Yeah. It's done. Okay. I'm stuck. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like the hardest time of my life probably for like two years, dude. Honestly. uh, When stuff like that happens, it feels like it's like a grandparent dying and a girl breaking up with you all wrapped into one or something. Yeah. And you know, like I tried to keep up with music. I put something out and it was dope. Like, um, and then I took it down because I just wasn't in the right. I started doing that a bunch. Yeah. I went through that phase of like putting music up and taking it down all mm-hmm. the time, which mm-hmm. isn't cool, y'all. Just rock with your life. <laughs> 
at the same time, there's probably some, that was probably a smart maneuver in hindsight because because that's the thing is that stuff lives on the internet forever. And I always tell young artists like, yo, don't put shit out there until you know that's you. Because hey, I, Lee, my shit always been hot. Yeah, I should have left it yeah. up. Okay, well there you go. No, that's good. That's the confidence that is needed. But I, I, I always tell people it's very rare to get a second first impression. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, particularly if you're not doing name change shit, where you're not right. reinventing yourself every project. If somebody hears okay. West Period in 2006 yeah. and it's not tight, and right. they hear West Period that name in yeah. 2017, they're like, I already know what he sounds like, and right. I don't like it. Okay, and you know? you know what? I feel you because it was to my benefit in the sense yeah. of like just like. Like right now, you're like, we know so many people right. from a very long time, right. and you're like, Wes, you brand new. Like, how do I know you this, again? But this is the thing that, yeah. th- but this is th- this like uh, era is the thing that talked to me. I was like, okay, right. yeah, I fuck with it exactly. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, totally. And so I think for that reason, but I mean, it was crazy because I was always getting looks. Like, yeah. for instance, that EP I took town was called Friendly Fire EP, like Pigeons and Planes premiered it, and there like you, you know, so I was always getting love. Um, but it was like. I just wasn't so that's to say that it was like really my headspace affecting me and mm. not the music like I was depressed bro mm. I was super sad after the mm. band broke up so then that just is when I embarked on like this is like the pinnacle or like you know the beginning I guess of the pinnacle of that journey of the solo journey because I've always been a rapper but I was never in a rap group but mm-hmm. I've never been a solo artist. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it was like me learning how to like even really get comfortable rapping on just proper beats mm-hmm. cuz I was rapping on like live instrumentation and rapping strictly to satisfy yourself and not having to worry about the opinions of other band members right. like is this our voice? You exactly. know like now it's like is this my voice? Is this my voice? Yeah. And that gets a lot more that gets darker. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man, convincing yourself like it, <laughs> is this worth putting into the world? Like does it, does this have a place in the conversation? That's a very daunting conversation to have with yourself a lot of times unless you have uh, a certain amount of hubris that a lot of artists have, you know? Right, yeah. and I think for me it's like I'm like – I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out my hubris. Right. It be, it's it's, it's right. an interesting sort of hubris, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to my boyfriend saw the other day. I'm like, bro, I think I need to start feeling myself more. Because yeah. it's like, definitely, I think sometimes, like, I wish I could lean on it a little more, yeah. man. Because, like, I see some shit and I'm like, damn, if I just had the balls to put that out. There's a sort of, bliss, <laughs> there's a blissful ignorance about hubris, Ooh. about that, like, I'm fucking dope. And it's like if you just t- if you can convince yourself that you're fucking dope, then you're it doesn't matter. It's probably gonna work. Because then you think anybody that says you're whack is just lying or is a hater. And like Ooh. I never had that hubris. I was like when people would say like, "Oh, you're whack," I'd be like, "Fuck, they're right. I gotta get better." Okay, you know what? We're getting to it. You're helping. This is therapy, Lee. Okay, Go ahead. listen. So. Basically, I had the most hubris in the game, bro. Yeah, right. I was hubris champion. <laughs> I yeah. Um, when the band broke up, because yeah. like we were touring, I'm like, oh boy, I'm like, I'm straight out, the, I'm like going straight to the league. Like right. I felt like it was like, okay, got yeah. out my high school band, this is popping. I'm going, right. I'm in it, you know. Mm. We were on tour, we're doing like le- meeting with labels and stuff, and then the producer kid was just like, I'm gonna go to college, like right. out the blue, right. while we're doing the best we've ever done. You're like, what? You're gonna be responsible, you motherfucker? Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah, and so that rip me down and like basically since that moment it's been a rebuild of um true confidence bro yeah you know like not just on some bullshit like let me know why i'm confident about what i'm doing like i don't want to i don't want i don't want ignorant confidence Mm -hmm. i want that confidence where because eventually ignorant 
confidence will get broke down. Yeah. Like someone will say that thing that cuts through right. and you're going to be you're fucked. Like, Fuck. Yeah. And it's, it's just going to fucking be in your head forever, bro. Right. And so like what I, and that's all I had. I don't think I had any real self-worth, any real confidence, honestly. Uh-huh. And, um, so really from that, it's just been, um, a rebuild, bro, of actually being tight and knowing why I'm tight. Right. Like, you're not going to tell me anything at this point that's going to fuck me off of where I'm going. And that's part of the journey of finding the figurative voice, like finding what it is that is your message to get out. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like finding that internal confidence of like, oh, this is my purpose, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's a long journey, man. It's a journey and a half, dude, but I feel really, I mean, I feel good about where it is, but also just knowing that that's real, man. Yeah. Like, we all need to be taking care of ourselves and our mental health and shit. Do you battle depression a lot? Yeah, for sure. Since childhood? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When did you start learning about your depression? Uh, I'll preface that with a statement saying that, like, I started realizing I was a sad person around age 11 or 12. I was like, something is wrong with me. I'm always fucking bummed out. Right. So. Uh, It didn't start hitting me until, like, uh, eighth grade. Okay. I remember. Yeah, so, like, 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, like, 13. Yeah, 13, 14. I remember, like, being after school, waiting after school, and, like, having my first just really dark-ass thought. Like, this girl was talking to me, and I just remember being like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. This bitch is weird. Yeah. I'm I'm mad. And, like, Uh it just struck me in this weird way, you know what I mean? And I always remember, like, why was I so upset? And then, like, um... After that, dude, it just it, it got worse, and then you start figuring out that, oh, damn, I'm not like everyone else. Yeah. Like, I'm dealing with depression, and on top of that, like, I don't fit in anyway. Right. And then, so, like, in high school, it got bad. So, it was really a mix of, like, me. Why I left high school was a mix of me finding my passion and only caring about music, and at the same time, also falling into the deepest teenage depression ever. Right, right. And honestly, man, um... Yeah, I've been battling with depression forever. Uh, shout out, um, you know, great dads. This is a great dad Good. episode, right? Good. So me and my dad had a crazy conversation. I was trying to explain to him my anxiety, and he's 70. He just yeah. comes from a different era of me right. where he's like, what? Yeah. Like anxiety, yeah, bro. Yeah, bitch. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. I was trying to explain. Flo, yeah, talk to me about anxiety when you got fucking mortar shells in Vietnam yeah, flying. Yeah, you. you know. Yeah. So it's like, so he's like, so he's like, what? You know? And I'm like, nah, bro. Like, there's days I'm waking up like I want to like I throw up. Like yeah. it's just like bad. Like when everything first started popping, like five months ago when I was like okay I'm about to drop Trap Star like I know this record's gonna go I started freaking out and um like it just led to like crazy anxiety and I was telling my dad about it and he was just like well shit I was like you don't get it and like we've never been on a good communication level just having Uh, those side of conversations right and my dad's just like well if that's how you feel let's go to therapy then and I was like did you? Yeah, but my jaw dropped because you got to understand this yeah. is a 70 year old right. dude from Louisiana, bro, right, right. who's like, let's, who told me, let's go to therapy together. Right. But you know what? At that age, what the fuck else do you have to lose? Right. I like, guess so. Like, that's the, that's the real I'm shit. I'm proud of him. Shout, you, you no, know? That's, so, ama- that's amazing. Yeah, and that's so a very I just thing. went to my first therapy. So to get to it, I just went to my first therapy session with my dad, uh, like three months ago. That's fantastic. We did like six sessions. Yeah. And, it was really dope, and it was cool because now I'm going to continue therapy That's on my good. own. But, like, it was really dope of my dad to come with me because yeah. it was more so, like, a moral support thing yeah. and get it going. But, yeah, man, I mean, what I got— What have you been learning? 
all kinds of shit. Probably first off, just like diagnostics, right? Like kind of figuring out, like, oh shit, why? Like, what? Why does this happen? What's to What's happening? Yeah. You know what Where I mean? Where does this come from? Right. Yeah. So like learning about like depression and then yeah. manic episodes, right? And so it's like, oh, dude, like, okay, maybe I'm not. Maybe I didn't stay up hella late all the time, and I'm not like super happy. You know what I yeah. mean? Like shit be going from like, like. You like a lot of kids will who are depressed who are also artists will like stay up all night and yeah. wake up hella tired in the morning for school and they're staying up all night working on schoolwork or whatever that's when the or working on their music or whatever on. right yeah, but that's yeah. also like could be considered a manic episode right. and like understanding that how to not be so up and down and like yeah. leveling it out even keel I like to call it even keel right like, I, I've always been I have what they call systemic depression and so it's like if this is the normal line right here I'm never way down here but I'm always like kind of right here like yeah. right underneath it you know um, where so and so my whole goal w- with regulating my moods has been to avoid these kind of right. waves of ups and downs and try to keep it like right around normalcy right. and so when i feel myself getting really down Dipping, here yeah I, i've i have my coping mechanisms to get me back up to like my normal which right. is a little below everyone else's normal but good enough for me right and so that and then also like probably the fact that i had add yeah, you know, oh, yeah. i have add which right. is like you know, um, super crazy shit, bro, that also made me be like, oh, man, okay, I'm not a shithead. Like, yeah. there's a real reason and I can fix it, but, like, at least I know a reason now, you know? Like, yeah. I have a super hard time texting people back. Like, I'm that yeah. friend that, like, people are like, why do you never text me? Right. And, like, I was one of the main things I went in with therapy because me and my dad went together. So, you know, I was telling him, Your like— Your dad's like, man, this motherfucker never, never texts text me, me back. Yeah. And, and she's, yeah. yeah. And so we're like, what? You know, and I'm like, I, I'm like— freaking out because I was telling the therapist like bro yeah like it's real but it's not just my dad it's like a lot of people uh, and I feel bad about it and I don't know why it's so hard for yeah. me to do it and like we started getting to it and after a few sessions like I re- like we realized alright you have deep ADD and like bro like so you're you not- were never on Ritalin as a kid? Never mm. and and I also like I was saying you know the way m- my mom raised me which was hella supportive but kind of letting me make my own rules I had right. no structure uh, which is how no ADD leadership. is formed Okay, yeah. so it's like to you know so to like have that it's like I'll be I, I want to text someone but then at the same time my mind's like oh I gotta go do this real quick and thing. then my mind's like oh I gotta go do this and low key I just didn't do all three Right. You know what right. I mean? And, and then, yeah, and then as those things start to stack up and, and you have like this list of chores and to do. And now you're anxious. Seemed, and now you just right. triggered some whole other so shit. So it perpetuates itself because by the time you don't do one chore and then you're realizing you have 10 chores that you didn't do and now all of a sudden everything feels unachievable. So what do you do? You sit on the couch and fucking sulk about it instead. Right. Yeah. Right. I feel you. Yeah. I mean, here, here's the thing. And, and part of the reason why I like to have these conversations is because, um, you know, you said something a, a little earlier where you felt alone. You felt like right. nobody else was experiencing this but the point is is like i experienced that right everybody listening experiences that exactly. like this is the human experience and part of me growing up lately what i've been kind of thinking about a lot is like the void you know like everything we do within us is because there's some kind of deep um existential emptiness inside of all of us and so everybody has their isms their addictions like whether it's workaholism alcoholism narcotics whatever like everyone's doing shit to distract themselves from the fucking deep void within as a human but what's been helping me lately and i I don't know why i'm i'm not like preaching to you i'm just kind of like talking but uh I think acknowledging the void and acknowledging that it will never fill itself and like there is no such thing as being ever completely like satisfied or making it, you know, like the whole idea of making it, right? 
as soon as you get to it, you realize it's farther away. And then now you have to start working even harder to get farther because, oh, now that I have a million dollars, I realize I need 10. And once I have 10 million dollars, I realize I need 100. And then you get to 100 and you're like, fuck, I still don't feel great, you know? And it's like just kind of acknowledging that void and being okay with it and going like, fuck it. Everyone else feels this way too. Like, oh, wait, I am normal. Like, that helps me a lot. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it helps me feel like satisfied. Like, I used to get really sad about seeing my like not sad, but I would I would have extreme jealousy if like one of my friends that was in uh, my peer group would get more popping. I'd be like, "Fuck, I'm just as good as that. Why am I not popping like that?" And it hurts, and it hurts your ego. It hurts that hubris for certain. And after a while, I was just kind of like, "Oh wait, like that doesn't affect me. I'm still like that doesn't that shouldn't affect my happiness, and and now I don't let it affect my happiness, and I feel a lot better because you know what I'm saying. No, a thousand percent. No, a million, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That was a total sidebar, but. Yeah, no, that's the void. Real. I think as ar- as artists, we all have this void that mm-hmm. we are seeking to fill, and and we fill it partially with the validation of he- hearing people tell you like, "Yo, man, you're, you're dope. dope. You're yeah. dope." And you try to buy shit, yeah. and whatever else, but it doesn't. You it does. It never I, helps I, for me to be honest, bro. Yeah. This is gonna be corny, but um, like real shit. Uh, for me, God, bro. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Religion, I don't talk a lot about religion on here, but tell me about God yeah. because, like, here's the thing: is like, I, I've I run into a lot of artists that have varying degrees of atheism or agnosticism, but I rarely have somebody that's willing to like talk about how religion helps tight, them. Huh? But, but like, it's ahead. not tight to like to for to be to like God. It's crazy. So for me, I mean, um, I've been like all across the religious spectrum. Honestly, yeah, right. like I like. I guess I was raised Christian, but we never really went to church or anything, yeah. but my parents would say they're Christian. Yeah. And from there kind of just was like, oh, I don't know. I saw Zeitgeist like everybody else. And I was like, God's not real. Right, like, right. you know, and then, um, when <laughs> I, like, <laughs> as dead as that was it for me yeah. in high school, we all watched Zeitgeist with the lights yeah. off and I was like, nothing's real anymore. Right, fuck it. Right. Like, and like legit. And then, so I was like, okay. And then, so I started exploring like all these other options and like, you know, uh, going to self-realization courses and like learning about myself and being like, for sure, there's no way God exists. Like there's nothing about that. That's real at all. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, um, there the void was though like yeah. it was just there and uh i i couldn't help it and one day i had a really amazing conversation with my dude danny who worked at that shoe company creative recreation at yeah, the time yeah. and um danny united no no, okay, no danny diaz oh, okay, but okay. he he i don't know even exactly what happened bro but i remember at one point he was just talking about uh like kind of God as a superstar, uh-huh. Jesus as a superstar, in the sense of this. He basically told everyone, like, we're talking, back to hubris, right? Yeah. He told everybody, I'm the shit. Yeah. And I'm the son of God. And you're going to believe this shit or you're not going to believe it. And he died for it. Yeah. So when we talk about the Breaking passion, when we took right, how did yeah. this just come full yeah. circle <laughs> right, right now, right? Right, right, right? So basically, everything that we just talked about, bro, to me, I see in that. Yeah, I see in God, like I see in Jesus, I see in those stories. And so I was just like, damn, you're kind of right. Like, even if this man, whatever he was, because I'm still like, when he's telling me this story, I'm processing it as like, God's not real. But Mm -hmm. damn, you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, as you as like, as I hear this shit, like, 
you're right. That dude was the real superstar. And then I've never seen Jesus Christ superstar, but in my mm. head, I imagine that better be what it's about. <laughs> you feel me? Right. Because it's like that shit is hard. Yeah. Like for someone just to be like, yeah, this is me and you could kill me for it and I'm still going to rock with it. Right. So right. that's the shit like to me. And then to top that off, man, I was just like. I started looking. So then after that conversation, I started getting my noodle cookie. Right after that, I went to this pizza spot, and there was these people praying over a pizza, like, a few tables down. And I was just, like, chilling, eating pizza with my homies. And that shit looked hella crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, But you joined? No, but I was, I was like, in my head, that's me. Mm. Why do I think, like, I'm better than, like, because I'm giving this conversation, like, I'm too smart to believe in that silly shit. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, low-key. I'm the I'm that guy. Like I'm the guy that'll be talking to some shit you can't see in the corner and believe it. Mm. You feel me? Like I'm the dude. Like I am that crazy. Like I want to believe in magic in this world. I'm not too smart to believe in magic. I'm not above believing in fucking majesticness, bro. Mm. And and magic and something greater than me. Like I'm not above that cuz I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so and then, dude, I got baptized. So I got baptized. All my shit got stolen, and my life has been the dopest it's been ever since. Really? So I got to believe it. I can't explain it to you exactly. Where did you but get that's baptized my at? In the Pacific Ocean, bro. Yeah. It was so tight. Nice. It was it's tight. a church out here then. No, no, my homie Danny did it. Oh. Bro, that's the thing. We, I'm not on some weird shit. Yeah. I'm not, I, don't, I, I go to a couple different churches that are cool. Like yeah. this one, Zoe, um, is ran by this pastor, Chad Veach. Yeah, right. Uh, super dope. You got, like, that's my main church that I love. But, like, are these, like, mega churches or what? No, it's, like, weird, like, little, like, hipster churches, I guess I'll call it. Yeah, right. But they're fly as fuck. Yeah. The pastors say shit where you be like, what? Yeah. Is this allowed? The pastor's like, okay, so now Jesus is going to dab on him. Yeah, no, no <laughs> dead ass. He dead ass, bro. Dead ass. He, Shut the fuck up. I swear to God. I swear to God. That's so Like, it's so tight. He'll be like, every prayer, every prayer at the beginning, like the opening prayer thing or whatever, before he gets in the sermon, at the very end, he goes, I'm in and make sure the Lakers win. Oh, shit. And, like, people who never been just be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we not at He's regular like, okay, church. now we're going to read from the yeah, hymnal, bro. got my sandals on, but they look like yeah. sneakers. I don't know, man. No. To me, <laughs> I, I like, to me, yeah, exactly. So, for me, it's just, like, uh, on some real shit, a relationship with God, I don't really know about religion. I don't yeah. fuck with religion, but I do believe, uh, I do believe in God, bro. Yeah. And um, that shit You know, it's funny, the, the, the angle that you take with Jesus being a superstar, uh, that, it, I, in some sense, it ties into what I was talking about with, with, with like this sense of nihilism that I've kind of developed of acknowledging the void and kind of like all the isms. Like a, a lot of my friends are workaholics. You know what I mean? A lot of my friends, they try to fill their void with fame, you know, like clout, like having more followers. People tell you how dope you are, how great your creations are. Like that's a certain just type of. That validation. Doesn't, no, that doesn't fill the void right, at right. all. Right, but it's this validation that they seek, and it's and part of it is like creating this legacy. Like, what are people going to remember me for? And I've kind of, I think part of of the my self satisfaction now is like, I don't give a fuck if people remember me anymore because I'm like, how much, how fucking crazy, and how much hubris do you have to have to think that like you're important enough to be remembered? And really, when you look in the grand scheme of things, the, right. the history of modern society, one of the few people to be remembered for that fucking long is your boy Jesus. This, right. like, <laughs> and to be real, like, because he, he's one of the few that created a long lasting legacy, even we, though it's been crazily distorted over time. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We can't trust man with that shit. Oh, yeah. Like, we don't know really, like, what's up. But I'm just saying all I can say is through through the Bible, really, more than anything, 
I've been able to tap into some shit that I've never tapped into before, yeah. and that's just my experience. That's like, good, man. So, but I, I mean, yeah, like honestly, like whatever. Have is, you ever read Zealot? No. There's this book called Zealot where this uh, man, I forget the author's name. He's like a talking head on a lot of news shows, but he's like a uh, religious scholar. He basically paints a humanistic portrait of what Jesus probably was actually like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like according to 30, 25 years of research yeah. that he's done and stuff. And it's very interesting, just like that, the. It, you know, it paints like kind of the sociological structure of what was going on back then and what, what probably actually happened. And it acknowledges that like this is a real human being and here's like likely his real story. Because in the Bible, like th- those were those were tales that were created over time and they were – they was kind of like a game of telephone where things kept getting more and more kind of distorted as the gospels were written by the time it got to like whatever the latest one was, like Mark or whatever. Like like all of a sudden Jesus went from like this normal human that was claiming – that was the son of God to being like all of a sudden he was uh, you know created – or he was a virgin birth and all this shit. And like that wasn't until later, you know? Right. I, I don't know. It's interesting, Zealot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like again for me, like I'm not the – dude because i'm super in the beginning of my journey so i can't even really like i wish i could go even harder right now but but for me it's like to be real all i can really say is i believe in magic yeah that's it there you go you know Wes, i think we did it i think i'm not gonna lie lee this guy a little deeper than i thought it was gonna get that's what that's all we hope to do here is like get a little below the surface it starts off slow but then you know if you find the magic then you get into it next time i want to talk about orange county as much uh, my bad. I like, to, I, I like to find out people. It's like this: if you can get shout out Lahaberdo, if you can get to the origins, then you can get to the you can get to nah, the future. You know what deep, I'm saying? Like you deep. can get to the present. And so I feel like we man, it's like who is along? Who we get to talk? We got. I'm gonna come back and talk more. I got more. Let's do it. What, hey, when you're like extra famous, come back and 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 bless us. So has that happened yet? Have you had nah, someone return? Not really. Yet? Like I think uh, we're so early in, in a lot of people's journey that yeah. once they get famous, it's kind of like they don't. They don't come back, you know what I'm saying? Because like we're still You're we, so early. Yeah, we're, we fuck with people early, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So like when you get somebody that's like starting to touch like fader covers and all that, like they're not gonna come back and do this because it it doesn't matter anymore. But I'm glad that we got to touch them like while right, it, of while course. on the journey I'm, up. I'm coming back, baby. Yeah, do I'm it. coming back. This is can I say, man? I've I've seen a lot of kind of neat yeah. just just from researching my like favorite new artist yeah, like right. oh i found this dude and like for the most part your videos are one of the first things that come up if Thank you're you. looking yeah for a new artist right, you know right. which is dope and when i when i figured when i found out that like i was coming today yeah. it was like I told my uh, my manager Ryan I was like, oh, we part of hip hop history. Like, it's <laughs> Yo, a man, piece, thank you. you know. That and gave that's me a real little bit of spine tingles. I appreciate right? that. No, real shit, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we were talking about it earlier. All these different people that have been through here, so right. it's special, and I appreciate right. it. Yo, thank you, man. That means a lot to me. And, and you know, as much as I talk about like nihilism, like yeah, this is part of the legacy that I'm creating. Like, if if I were to die tomorrow, people will talk about this, and I could say that I'm very proud of it. You know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. So, tell people, okay, you're working on what? Pretty words, you say? Pretty words. Pretty baby. words. Yeah. Next, uh, it'll January. come out in January. So very soon after you hear this, be looking for West Period. Uh, the EP. Go. And yeah. then um, check out uh, we got Big Bag out right now. Uh, with Amazingly the video. catchy song. Thank you, Ear- earworm for certain. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. And then uh, another one called Trap Star, and uh, there'll be a few more on the EP. So uh, I'm excited and keep on the lookout, man. Squad Thick, the whole crew, Amen. Clifton, Francois, Francois, Dad Attraction, Evie and Nate. Let's go. So 
I don't know who any of those people are, but I have a feeling that I will soon know who some yeah. of them are, and then I'll go, oh, wait, now I know how I yeah. heard of you because Wes shouted you out. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how it worked that's last time, right? That's how it worked right? last time. All right, that's go. hard. All yeah. right, hell yeah. So Pay he, it forward, y'all. Yeah, always pay it forward. Ride for your crew. All right, man. Tell people where to find you online. At West period, W-E-S-P-E-R-I-O-D on everything, and then it'll be slash W-E-S-P-E-R-I-O-D on everything else. As you guys know, my name is Lee. Some of you might know me as Intuition. You can find me online at It's Intuition. You can find my man behind the boards, Ben Shin, making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, based with two S's. Follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat. That's on Instagram. That's on YouTube. That's on motherfucking Twitter. That's on everything. It's at Kinda Neat. Go to Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Kinda Neat to support the show. Pledge a dollar per episode. It helps us keep the lights on. You could donate some motherfucking Bitcoin if you want. I'll put my Bitcoin wallet. You feel me? That's my Let's new go. That's my new hustle. Give, send me point zero 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 one hey, Bitcoin. Ethereum. Get your Ethereum popping, though. I, hey, I'm not going to tell people how to uh-huh. invest here, but I don't fuck with Ethereum personally. But, what? you know, if you believe in it, believe in it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, cryptocurrency, that is some L- that is like every conversation in LA right now yeah. revolves around that. It's so yeah. obnoxious, and I try to never be the first one to bring it up, but when people bring it up, I'm down to town. Let's go, uh, baby. <laughs> what else? YouTube.com slash kind of neat. We're going to see West Period performing Big Bag. Hey. Uh, getting money like my daddy. What the hell? Um, anyway, I think we did what we came to do, and uh, I appreciate it. That conversation was fantastic, and I needed it today, so thank you so much. Thanks, man. That was Wes. My name is Lee, and this was Kind of Neat. All right, go.